0: Hey, everybody. Michael Sinclair here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we got a very, very special guest. Um, Some of you might know him as a podcast host. Some of you might know him as an attorney. Some of you might know him as uh, the guy drinking IPAs in the front row of your concert. But uh, on today's show, we have Josh
1: Sheridan. Everyone, give a round of applause to Josh Sheridan. You we know, got let it die down. Yeah, it's gonna take a second. I'm adding that applause. So All right, you don't yeah, yeah it just just like make it like
0: ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I need my sound guy. Where's my uh, not Jackie Martin? What was he? Was this Fred Norris? Oh yeah, Fred That's, Norris. Yeah, where's my yeah. Fred for make fart noises? Um, <laughs> So let's, let's just give uh, the audience a little lead in to what we're doing here. You contacted me and said people had been interested in hearing you be interviewed on the
1: podcast, right? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, or is this a
0: purely vain thing and you just want to probably, it's probably, you can afford your therapist this month. Right, right, right.
1: (laughs) Um, well, I mean, when I say people, it's not like, it's like, you know, the public is clamoring for it, but, uh people had mentioned it before and I thought it was an interesting idea. I mean, I think it's kind of funny because if you took all the podcasts that I've done and pieced them together, I've kind of, you know, I, I talk as much, if not more about myself than the guests do. So maybe it's all right there. But, uh, you know, I always talk about how, uh, the, what the fuck podcast with Mark Maron um, was kind of what got me into podcasts and inspired me to do this show and I remember there was a I'm trying to remember the comedian that did it but there was one episode where they switched roles and uh it's a relatively well-known comedian but I'm blanking on his name right now interviewed Mark and so I don't know just thought it was interesting I, I think we had discussed too
0: maybe doing this for the 100th episode we had talked about maybe doing me interviewing you and I think it fell through or, or no uh
1: Wolfface was going to interview you well I was going to have Michael I've, J I've, from Wolfface yeah, do it point, and, yeah and you know but there's a lot of moving parts in the and
0: that was a year ago. that was so long ago plus, this is
1: plus you got to hit him right before he gets too high or drunk or you know coming in well, on the in full t-
0: moon too so it's only one time a month you can On probation going
1: into jail you know paternity <laughs> testing and Michael basketball J's. games he's got going on yeah, clearly he's just got a he's got a full full dance card
0: so uh <clears throat> so now you're here you're on the couch i'm in the the big chair here ready to interview you and i'll just uh, tell you i said i had a little game plan going into this this is going to be a, a guided meditation, man. We're okay. going to start from the beginning, from conception, right. and we're going to go to the present. And my two goals are this. I want to hear about music, okay. and I want to hear about why you eventually got into law. okay. So those are the two overarching themes, music and law. But let's start from where did your parents
1: have sex when you were conceived? So my dad had a Volkswagen bug. My dad was a tall, you know, robust man in his in his prime. Uh, so I always got a kick out of the fact that he drove a uh, Volkswagen Bug because I always picture him with like his, you know, knees by his ears trying to ride around. But uh, going back a little bit further, um, he was from Albany, New York. Uh, he was in the Navy. He went to University of Florida. He went in the seminary up in Kansas City to become a priest. And somewhere in that time frame uh, his dad who lived out on Treasure Island or Indian rocks Beach got sick and he had his teaching degree and so he came out and he taught he taught uh, science at Azalea middle school and my mom was a teacher there and he was like the head of the department and that's how they met and uh, he was a good deal older than she was he was at least 10 11 years older than she was um, but they had me and either by the choice or by you know biology they just had me so i don't know if they stuck the landing and they didn't have to have another one or it was such a epic clusterfuck they're like we're not doing this again <laughs> how old
0: was your dad when you were born 38 yeah so that's then your mom was
1: uh in her 20s then late 20s track 11 yeah
0: 27 so, something like so that so yeah my pops was 40 and you know like uh I think my mom has an issue where she can't have children or something, but back in the day, people didn't know, you know what I mean? There's, oh, the yeah. issues, you know, we don't, they didn't have the IVF stuff. They didn't have all this info. It's just like, you can't have to. So then it happens. Like try randomly. and smoke <laughs> half
1: a pack a day and yeah. it should be fine. <laughs> right. you know, or you know? an extra half. A maybe, pack. maybe, <laughs> yeah, you know, not a little less vodka and your whatever for breakfast and you'll be fine.
0: So, so you're born uh,
1: into Florida. Then you're in, in central Florida. I, we, we lived right across from Crescent Lake off of 22nd Avenue in St. Pete. Um, oh. So that's that's suburbia. It's fairly middle class. Well, now Saint it's the Pete. fucking the jam. I like St. Pete's just become this you know mega center. Although it seems like Tampa's kind of maybe starting to catch up now, but yeah, um, it was it was it was lower middle lower middle income. I mean, they were both school teachers, and my mom was a private I, actually at that time. Well, obviously, when she had me, she stopped teaching for a little bit, but she was teaching Catholic school, which. Catholic schools get paid worse than public schools do mm-hmm. and public schools don't get paid dick. So yeah. You know. Jesus is a terrible boss. He oh doesn't my God. pay his yeah, workers he's anything. Cheap as they shit. do everything for free. Those damn yeah, missionaries. It's, it's all, you know, you're going to go to heaven. One <laughs> of so, the missionaries yeah. unionized,
0: but uh, so let's, let's just go through, say the first uh, five years of your life. Do you have any memories, any fondness? Uh, was there moving in the first five years? What was the first five years of your we, life? Like
1: we stayed in that house for five years. I have uh, just weird memories. I remember seeing, jaws uh on tv which is interesting to me because that would have been somewhere between 75 and 80 so that had to have been jaws one or two but if you recall back i mean i'm older than you but not not like super older than you but do you remember when a movie used to come out it would be two fucking years before that came out on vhs oh yeah and it'd be like 10 years before it was ever on tv yep yeah like now you know, HBO, a Marvel yeah. movie comes out on TV, yeah. and like you have to pay for it for the first two weeks, and then it's free. After, like there is so, the turnaround. Well, the, the movies would be in the theater for forever, a eighteen like, months. The fucking ET right. was in theaters for like four years. Right. Indiana Jones to start, you know. But I so, anyways, I these these just these this pastiche of weird memories. I remember seeing Jaws when I was in that house. And it has scarred me to this fucking day. <laughs> I can't swim in a pool at night because I'm confident there's a fucking great white in there. Uh Going more than about waist deep at the beach scares the shit out of me. I just, it fucked me up. So that was one thing. And then there was this house that was next. Oh, here's another memory is I had a toilet in my closet, which, which is true, but no one believes it, but it wasn't a bathroom. Literally, I had like shirts and fucking raincoats hanging over a toilet and. In a closet, functioning toilet. Yeah, and it was it wasn't like a like a walk-in closet. It was like one of the closets with the uh what do you call the doors, like accordion, like they just okay, yeah, yeah I know what you're what yeah, are those called do- folding yeah, doors yeah. yeah I mean it was like why would someone put a toilet there like it wasn't a bathroom? Well, have you heard of the Pittsburgh toilet, the Pennsylvania no. toilet? Sounds it's, like a sexual maneuver.
0: <laughs> it's just one random toilet people have in their cellar. There's no no other commodities. It's a, just a toilet that you keep in the cellar because it has something to do with the water flow in the winter. It will only work oh, in the winter best. Well, Maybe make it freezes sense. up in the top the upper pipes. Yeah. But So yeah, my grandma up North, you walk down in the cellar and just right in the middle of the cellar is a toilet, no curtain, or I, nothing I, around it. Just something to about
1: those two words together. I feel like I need to write a song about it or have it <laughs> be the name of a band or something. So, so
0: your memories are jaws and having a toilet, jaws, in closet.
1: a toilet. You're going to think I'm making this up, but it's all true. Jaws, a toilet in my closet. I was attacked by a monkey um wild we were, monkey or someone owned it in the someone owned it yeah. we were riding our bikes uh down the street and then i was i was pretty um pretty confident that the house next door to ours was haunted um so these are all little bits and pieces that i recall it, it sounds very stephen Kingish. like your your childhood was just a stephen king
0: novel waiting i, I to think be happened that but the, nothing ever went terribly wrong but just well, in your we'll head, see. I mean, <laughs> this, I guess the kids, <laughs> yeah, go back. I mean,
1: yeah, they end up adults in his books. So. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. There's still some chapters left that things could go south pretty quickly. So first five years were your parents playing music
0: around the house where there's any because uh, I'm st- we're in the studio now and I'm looking at like seven guitars. I'm looking just you're kind of surrounded by music stuff a little bit here. And uh, I just wonder if you grew up in that sense. Was there a piano in the house? I know that was like a a, a big thing is kind of having some instrument in the house.
1: No pianos in the house. Um I don't have a strong recollection of music at that time. Shortly later, I do. I, I, I do remember my dad had um, – he had – well, one of the things that I loved is he had a – who's a, Oh it's fucking going to kill me. Who is the uh, comedian, like the seven words you can't say on television? George Carlin. George Carlin. Thank you. He had that record, and I listened to that like as soon as I figured out how to work a, a record player – Um, and then he, he had a bunch of like folk music. I remember he had like, um, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, which isn't necessarily folk, but he had that, um, he had like Pete Seeger, um, Donovan, Bob Dylan, you know, my dad was a, my dad was kind of a academic hippie professory type of person so that, straight edge but still kind of a, but not no not straight edge re- remotely i mean really what
0: was he a dope smoking uh, kind of i don't hip, know hipsy? so much about dope that, but that's what i mean by straight edge straight edge is you know not like not a druggy hippie but he would he still i kind never of was a knew my parents lead.
1: to use drugs but he, he smoked like a fucking chimney and he he loved passport scotch from albertson's <laughs> And you remember back in the day, you could go to like Circle K or Seven Eleven, and they would have these collector's plastic cups, whether it was whatever the, whatever the Super Bowl or some random something, movie and there's or, yeah. big white plastic cups that most people today would just throw away. But literally, I remember our kitchen cabinets were just filled with. Cups from Circle K and 7-Eleven. But these are the cups that I would drink out of. I would drink milk out of, and they would drink their passport scotch out of. So there'd be times as, you know, five-year-old Josh, I'm going to take a, a swig of milk, and there's just this aroma coming off of the cup. It's just like, what the fuck is that? So to this day, scotch just turns my stomach. It just – I can't do it. So did uh, do you think their drinking was
0: a cause of any of their own neuroses? Just being the 1950s type couple that just don't talk about their problems, so they just drank. Or do you think it was just a social thing that led to an everyday thing?
1: So now, now we're going to get into deep water. So well, let's just
0: cover that part of the time, though. In that part of the time, when you're a kid think watching that your my parents dad drink,
1: d- fought with depression all of his life. I think Irish Catholic. Um, you know, my uncle Dicky, who I posted about somewhat recently. I was told about this, but he was run over by a train. And the more I've meditated on that, I think he probably intentionally was run over by a train. Yeah. Um. Right. His older brother, Bobby, was a con man and faked his death and disappeared for, like, 10, 15 years. And I, it was funny because I, w- I was given the articles and I asked my dad about it. And he's like, yeah, that was all fucking bullshit. That was, like, a tax scheme. Like, he faked his death and then came back and said he had amnesia, didn't remember everything. It was because he had, like, a ton of <laughs> fucking tax." So I mean this is that, it's that's funny. a good story but <laughs> oh there's it can you know, be traumatizing for someone else
0: in the family. Well and
1: see. you know uh his mom wasn't healthy his dad was a, a postman. I think his dad probably was probably somehow involved with uh shipping booze back and forth for like the Kennedys and all this other stuff, you know, pu- you know, mailmen up in Albany, uh, Irish Catholic mailmen in New York and the early 1900s. Oh, make an extra buck yeah oh just, yeah number running numbers games anything, and all yeah. this other stuff so uh but but to answer your question i think my dad always struggled with depression and anxiety i think my mom might have s- struggled with it because of being married to my dad mm, yeah and and being having to be a quiet housewife was kind of the way you know it wasn't I mean? it wasn't that kind of
0: they were they were not she was a stronger woman. She didn't fall into that role. They were role. both teachers. They, yeah, they
1: weren't, it okay. wasn't, it wasn't. There's was thinking involved a little bit there. There wasn't yeah, subservient it, to a, a Yeah, it wasn't conduct. that kind of, you know, what's the leave it to beaver type of right, situation. Right, it. it was a little bit more, a, lot, a little bit more parody between the two of them. Right. So
0: now let's get into like from five to 10 years old. So you, you've listened to some George Carlin, which is interesting. I think comedians are a lot of people's first introduction to what their parents are listening to. Cause it's like, this guy's just talking on the radio. Like it's not music. It's just talking. So you can be young and you you understand that it's just a someone's speaking to them and they're getting entertainment from it from them, right? You know what I mean. It doesn't yeah. have to be music. Like I, I can still hardly understand James Brown. You know what I mean. So if my parents played it as a three year old, I'd be like, you know, what the hell is this? But you relate
1: to music at different stages in your life differently. Like
0: you can't connect as much when you're you know?
1: not verbal. You're you're hearing the melody or, the, okay, or right. the beats. Whereas you get older, maybe you listen to the lyrics a little bit more. And so then
0: that that was actually my next question. So from five to ten, you're developing this language and stuff. So you're probably getting to music more. What was influential musically in that era of your life do you think
1: so that's an interesting
0: question a lot of people mimic their parents music cuz they just don't have other other exposure or it wasn't they... in the
1: house my dad would never listen to the radio in the car he wanted silence in the car and not not as a not as like an authoritarian thing he just we, we we never had music on in the car when it was with my dad um there wasn't music on in the house uh but i recall a couple of the following things um first off was around this time you had these, you know, like tape a penny to this postcard and send it in, and we'll send you a, a, a tape each month. Or oh, whatever. yeah, record like, of the month. Clubs yeah, and stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I remember getting Men at Work. I don't remember if it was the uh, first one or Cargo, but I got that and <laughs> fucking loved Men at Work. Colin A's voice to this day. I mean, it's a mistake. And uh, I fucking Men at Work in my gym. So that was one. I got um, Prince 1999 and that. I, I thought that was such a funny album. I remember there was like dialogue of uh, it's like, mommy, why does everybody have a bomb? I mean, this was coming out right in the middle of the nuclear threat and Prince was doing like kind of, I mean, who, who else is like Prince? There's nobody like Prince. So there was that. Um, I remember uh, seeing the view to a kill, the James Bond movie where um, uh, Christopher Walken is the bad guy and Grace Jones is his like henchman and, but Duran uh, Duran uh, did the song for that, and I fucking loved Duran Duran. Was there a music video involved? With oh that, yeah, Duran Duran's music oh, videos yeah. back in the day were something else. Right, oh, right? just feathered hair and yeah. rolled up rolled up jacket sleeves, and they're always on like a boat or heavy makeup and just oh fucking they look but, very but, bangable themselves. Well, for sure, but I mean, they just put out an album like this year last that was good, like right in the pocket. So, um. Good, good for them. There was that. And then I remember we used to go to Panama city every summer. Cause, uh, my mom's brother was a manager for the dog tracks and he would go in this, he worked at the one right over there on Gandy. Uh, but in the summer he would go work at one up in Panama city. So we would go up there and we would always drive up there. And I always remember, uh, this was flash dance was around. Um, dirty dancing was around, uh, footloose was around, uh, so all these movies with music that were coming uh, back to the future, Huey Lewis, like, so it was a lot of movie soundtrack music that I remember hearing at that age. And so that's what I remember from that time frame. So I
0: feel like that's stuck with you now, though. You do have a good you like movie soundtracks, too. You still kind of are into that cinema sound of music as well. You know, and, and it's it is people uh, people get into something early and. But to get in certain types of music early, and they don't really branch out sometimes. But cinema style music is like every type of music, like you just named. You know what I mean?
1: Different bands, different music. Yeah.
0: So it's it's all different things. But even Jaws had a great soundtrack.
1: You Jaws, know I mean? that's and, gonna stick with you. Oh, and I mean, you know, only, you know, I I was a chicken shit kid, so I never watched horror movies growing up. I couldn't. They scared. I like never watched Friday the Thirteenth. Never watched, you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street any of that stuff and it's i don't know what happened in my 40s but i've f- developed an affinity for watching those and like you know the whole phenomenon of john carpenter that synthy you he know started Car- it, yeah it was, carpenter yeah. brute he has got that yeah. whole thing that's and then like if you see the movie drive yeah that synthy thing tangerine dream was using that in a bunch of like I think William Friedkin used it in a movie, or Michael Mann used it in a movie that's synth heavy. Like, and then Moby. I mean, Moby wouldn't have a career, uh, although I don't know if he has a career anymore. But wouldn't have had a career if it wasn't for Tangerine Dream and all that synthy type of stuff. So, no, I, I can I can talk movie soundtracks for days.
0: I, I'm interested more in you as a kid mailing out these nickel things. That was just you, uh, being a young adult and just wanting to do it on your like being a. You didn't ask your parents' permission. You were kind of doing it on your own.
1: Yeah. And it was one of the things that I loved about music so much back then. I don't do it as I don't really do it anymore, but up until probably my freshman year of college, so much music that I heard was because it had a cool album cover. Like I would literally, I remember going to Asylum Records and St. Pete and um, Bananas and, uh, you know, some of these other stores. And I would literally just, I don't know what this fucking band is, but that's a rad album cover. So I'll listen to it. And if you're lucky, one of those places have a listening station, and you could listen to it before you bought it and decide if you wanted it. But I mean, think about that. Back then, a lot of times you bought an album having no fucking clue what was on it. Well, that the the vinyls were artwork, you know, and it's oh, still and to the, this the, day, you know, there's
0: still a, a niche market for people who are into. You buy vinyl all the time. Less stuff. of a niche market. I mean, you look at the money that's. I mean, I, people. Well, it's, yeah. the the production's actually low. The cost is fairly low to make vinyl if you're doing it in enough. And you can sell it for a lot because it's limited edition. So that's why bands are still doing it. But when they collaborate with great artists like Tool's done stuff with Alex Gray and everything, you're paying... Yeah, you're paying extra money, but you're paying for well, that The physical art. thing, for sure. Yeah, yeah but... It, well, and speaking of the physical thing, going to the record store and when you oh. said a listening station, I remembered... God, listening stations. And then after that, when it went to CDs, they'd only have certain CDs in the station you could listen to. You couldn't actually go up and like open cds up anymore and put them in there but. well
1: in law school so i i miss borders so much borders was so <laughs> yes, far yeah. superior to barnes and noble barnes and noble chaps my ass compared to borders and that borders. their music selection at borders was nice yeah oh it was fucking intense but you if you remember you could they had the scanners you could just scan the barcode on the cd and you could listen to all of them really at least the one over by tyrone square mall when i was in law i would fucking Go there for hours. And I mean, this was, there was no iPods. There was no Apple iTunes. There was no Spotify. Your Spotify was go to fucking borders and just scan barcodes on CDs and listen to it. Is
0: borders the one that went bankrupt or is the, yeah. Yeah. They spent all that money scanning CDs, man. But you (laughs) know, what's funny too
1: (laughs) is when they went out of business, um, they had like a fire sale on their books and, Maybe we'll touch on this later, but my dad, when he was in the seminary, a lot of the seminary, the the curriculum that they studied was philosophy. So I have a real strong recollection in my youth talking to my dad about philosophers and stuff. So the Borders that's over here or was over here on Dale Mabry, they were like you could buy like their books were like ninety percent off. So like I bought every Jean Paul Sartre, every Nietzsche, every. Heidegger, every you know, you name it. I had I had such a fucking library of philosophy books, and they were in this office that we're sitting in right now. But when I just redid it, I was like, those are just sitting there. I'm not reading them. I'm not doing anything with them. They're taking up space, and so I just posted on Facebook. It's like if anybody wants them, and uh, it was pretty cool because uh, Dmitry Stoyanovich, who drums for Dead Mirrors and and Meat wound he lives right down the street, and he's like, he's like, I want some of those. I's like, well, I'm here. It was it was like a Thursday night I was here at like midnight working on my office and he came up and just bullshitted with me for like two, three hours is going through the box and he got all these rad books and then somebody else came and took the rest of them. So
0: yeah, unfortunately books are God, man, I have so many books in my attic and they're just kind of rotten away and stuff. It and sucks it, it's, because, it,
1: but there should be books just like yeah. there should be albums. Like, yeah. you know, I, I posted on Facebook the other day is listening to an audiobook reading and I, I kind of had my opinion on it, but I've had people tell me, you know, I read X amount of books last year, and I was like, "How the fuck do you have time to do that?" And they're like, "Well, they are audiobooks." I was like, "Okay," which, but then I started thinking. I mean, you're you know, the content you're processing is the same content. The way that you're processing it is different, and I think you know, reading gets gets a, a, a more of a, a more fanfare about it because there's a kind of a, a physical act, an intentional physical act to reading. Where listening, it just kind of happens. And I think there's a different interpretation that
0: happens in the mind depending on the avenue in which you're getting the information. So just a, a analogy for me would be like Blade Runner. Do you like the voiceover with Harrison Ford or the original where you just have to interpret things for yourself? And I feel like being spoken to, there's inflictions in uh, audiobooks and there's certain things that limits my imagination by it being i agree to, i agree for, completely. for fiction like that you know I, I think mean? you have is different because you're just being told shit you know what i mean but things with the fictional element that are descriptive and visual i'd prefer reading it
1: 100 you know? percent because i i think you have to engage more with reading and and fill in the gaps you know you have to you're kind of collaborating with the writer when you're reading fiction because you're picturing things um and i don't know that you can do that quite so much with listening to it but so, so let's go back to, to your life story here so we
0: stopped at 10 so let's go from like formative years of 10 to 16 teen, just around high school middle school were you a rebellious kid no what, you know no, you, no, weren't, no, no, no. you weren't you know i was stealing my dad's cigarettes in seventh grade and trying to drink beer and all
1: that stuff but. i think i uh, is funny i had will quinlan in here not too long ago and uh he came in on a sunday and it was kind of cold and kind of gray and kind of rainy. And I said, I said, I was like, I was like, interesting, you know, day. And he's like, yeah, it's Irish weather. And I kind of chuckled because I thought Irish weather was such a perfect description of the malaise that people have that I've had in my life. And I think I was, I I had depression very early on in my life I and I was very um, independent and Insulated. I I I intentionally kind of didn't socialize. I intentionally didn't kind of interact with people. So my whole my whole life was listening to music on headphones, watching movies by myself, drawing, reading comic books. It was very much you know in my own space. So no, I, I I I wasn't a recluse or a rebel, but I was also, and and to this day, still wear the fucking crown, lazy as shit. Um <laughs> just super fucking lazy. And I this this'll sound self congratulatory and I don't mean it to, but I've always been intelligent enough to get the job done without having to work hard at it, which is a blessing and a curse because you can kind of sail through But you never really give it your all either, which is not good. And so, my where I'm going with this is, I wasn't the best student um, because I just didn't really try that hard. And I also was a bit of a daydreamer. You know, I was more interested in thinking about something else than listening to what the teacher had to say. So, um, well, well, there's
0: for one. I think Bill Gates said you give the person with the highest IQ and the laziest uh, personality, the toughest jobs. Cause they'll find the easiest way to get stuff done. Yeah. It's you know definitely what I mean? a way to yeah cut corners. Like, but, and then also with, with, as far as laziness, uh, there's a lot of personality traits that were uh, viewed as negative. So like shyness, you know, there used to be videos in the fifties on how not to be shy. Sure, You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think there are, there's people it's, viewed as laziness and this negative connotation but man you're out here getting shit done you know what i mean at the end of the day you're get to in your mind you know your potential is more cuz i have the same type of issue where yeah i could probably do less of this and more of this working but you're out here getting shit done you're you do things you know what i mean i do, to the average I do person, but you're not
1: lazy well sure i mean you know i you, you get older you get wiser you kind of grow up or hopefully you do uh you get responsibility and so, you know, it's not just, you know, I got to feed myself today and I got to wipe my ass today. That's I got to feed my son and I got to feed my daughter. But and I gotta You give her. yourself those responsibilities,
0: knowing in the back of your head that you can always back it up sure. if you need to. Well, you sometimes can sometimes you, you hope
1: you're going to, but right, you're not right. sure. Yeah, but, you
0: dive in. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Yeah, that. But
1: so anyways, so, going back to. Uh, so,
0: yeah, being mean, yeah, five, 10 to 15, you're a little bit quiet, shy, no sports, nothing, nothing to get you into a group.
1: Skateboarding skateboarding so oh the
0: 80s skateboard kid, yeah man. so you you how crazy of that of a phase man or like of a of a era in america americana skateboarding that craze
1: well it's interesting because it comes of from, the
0: vert skating yeah from the beach skating right was the original
1: well surfing surfing is effectively kind of if you you know if you watch your dog town and your z boys and your you know all that stuff i mean it it, it basically comes from california which it arguably comes from hawaii but you know the surfing then they started surfing the hills with their you know two by fours with roller skates nailed to the bottom of them and then veriflex or zephyr or whatever the fucking brands were from back that's what the z i think and z boys was the zephyr boys um they uh you know they started doing their thing and Whatever the timing of Powell Peralta and Tony Hawk and Steve Caballero and Tommy Guerrero and Lance Mountain and Mike McGill and Rodney Mullen and all these, you know, a little bit later, Mike later these guys, Powell Peralta was like, it was like the fucking Avengers for me when I was a kid. It was just like. They're just a little bit older than I am, and I just loved it. I They're don't know all why. West Coast guys, right? They're all California guys, pretty much.
0: How, like, how do you get access to them being some kid in so Central it's, Florida, some zine you find on the street or other punk skater kids? or So
1: there's two things uh, I, I, I will say. I think, if if I'm correct, my buddy Eric Otto, who I grew up, grew up with, his older brother, Joey Otto, skateboarded. So we all wanted to be like Joey and started <laughs> skateboarding. So that was part of it. But then also, uh, John Laboud, uh, who is still with us over in St. Pete, and owns like restaurants and everything. With that name, he needs to own well, restaurants. Well, but he, man. his name, the his name, but they would call him John Reno, uh, and so he owns Reno Beach Surf Shop. When Reno Beach Surf Shop is still over there on uh, Fourth Street in St. Pete, but it, you know, over the course of my childhood, it, it, it started out like a fucking block from my house, and. You'd go in there, and he he was an early adapter. You could go in there. He'd set you up a complete deck. He had all the Powell Peralta, you know, search for animal chin and all these fucking, you know, biblical skate videos now that people, you know, kind of look at as the gospel. And, and it was such
0: a subculture and, like, underground thing, man. Weird. You know what I mean? There was yeah. no YouTube. There's not There – you're shipping VHSs through snail mail.
1: Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, and then there was uh, – a. There's a whole foods there now, but, uh, there was this old fucking hotel that they knocked down, but they left the pool there and the pool was emptied out. And I remember, so my, my mom and dad owned this antique store called the wood nickel, which was right next to uh fourth street boxing, um, which, uh, what's the ringside cafe was where the boxing club was. And right next to it was the wood nickel, which was my parents antique shop. But I remember my dad took me down to that hotel and just let me stand there and watch the guys skateboarding this pool. And I was like, that's the, the best fucking thing ever. But, I mean, even at a young age, I was always much bigger. Like, I've always been bigger. Like, I'm not built. Like a skateboarder, you know, and in, in, in the best of times, I'm built like a football player, and the worst of times, I'm built like a video gamer. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not one of for these,
0: reference. What are you, 6'4? 6'4",
1: 290, 285. Yeah. So, yeah, I could, I could, I could.
0: Well, well back then, though, I mean, as, as a, you were your lanky kid, say when you're 15, I was never lanky. I was always, you, know, you always filled out. I was never
1: bit. heavy. I wasn't fat, but I was not, I wasn't, I was never thin. Um, but i was just big and 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 not the least coordinated not the most coordinated but you know at, at that time i aspired to be these skaters but in in retrospect that was never going to happen yeah know,
0: so it, but at, you know you get caught i did the rollerblading the aggressive skating stuff and you get caught up in it man and
1: you it fucked is, yourself it's, up doing the rollerblading yeah i didn't did you crack your head open or oh
0: uh, yeah i had like a mild concussion uh, like, two years ago but as a kid i did it a lot oh, okay. and i broke my tailbone yeah. and my knees were all messed up and stuff but the group of people i hung out with man that's i mean a, a lot of them were good kids a lot of them were bad kids man their parents were just like go do your thing so tell me about the skaters you hung out with say in high school and the music they brought into the mix. Because that's another thing that the skaters I hung out with, the roller we they listened to hip hop,
1: man. That was no, the big thing. No, for no, them. no. No. When I was skating, so I remember very clearly it had to be some between seven between seventh, eighth, and ninth grade was such a pivotal moment in my music listening. I'd be in, in the albums that I remember were um, Injustice for All from Metallica. Uh, Appetite for Destruction comes out somewhere in that time frame. Uh, obviously, Paul's Boutique, Beastie Boys, uh, Fear of a Black Planet, I think, from Public Enemy. Uh, and then the Chili Peppers had Mother's Milk. And then shortly thereafter, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Metallica sent me down the metal rabbit hole. So, of course, I start listening to Anthrax and Slayer and all this other stuff and then uh if you if you ever saw remember the movie thrashing um which was a josh brolin skateboarding film from the 80s and shortly thereafter was gleaming the cube with christian slater but uh in thrashing there's this scene uh and it's the circle jerks wild in the streets they're like bombing a hill and playing wild in the streets or maybe it's a party i forget but uh it's like, what the fuck is this? And so the circle jerks introduced me to black flag, introduced me to the Minutemen, introduced me to the descendants, introduced me to minor threat. And so, but that's, that was all. And then, and then I go to high school and check your head from the beastie boys comes out and Pearl jam 10 and Nirvana, nevermind and Alice in Chains dirt and bad motor finger from Soundgarden, And Screaming cheese trees, uh, screaming cheese. Uh, Mark Lanigan, who just passed away, you know. So the whole grunge thing is like my my freshman sophomore year of high school. So
0: just give me a visual of walking through your high school. What high school did you go to? Walking through. What did what did the kids dress? Because you you got punks still left over from the eighties. You got the grunge coming in. I bet you the hairdos to the uh,
1: flannel to the. It was brutal. So (laughs) so to the nineties
0: dudes that were coming. The big ninety poofs and
1: well. And I've always been kind of a fashion. Like, I've, like, I, because we didn't have a lot of money as a kid, like, I always wanted Jordans. I always wanted, like, the cool sneakers. Uh, and we couldn't necessarily always afford them. And that's why today, now that, you know, I have a little bit of scratch in my pocket, I, you know, kind of go overboard on sneakers and everything. But um, I I remember very clearly I had Skids. Do you remember Skids pants? They're, they're like, a, they're almost like Zubaz, like those fucking jogging pants that had like leopard skin prints on them. No, oh, they're brutal. Google 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 skids later. Before You'll, my time, but yeah. Oh, brutal. Um, and then I the the rich kids. Tommy Hilfiger was huge. They all had those Bass. They're kind of like they kind of look like Vans, but like a preppy kid version of Vans, like Bass, like canvas shoes. Um, well, so I got in with a skinhead crew at um same beat high and it wasn't a racist skinhead crew but they were just punks they were kind of like emulating what they saw of like the euro punk scene and they all had doc martens and they all had shaved heads and they all rolled their jeans up real high and they'd have suspenders and you know all this stuff and i was wrestling there and a couple of the guys that i wrestled with were, were skinheads there and again just to be clear not like people that would go out and beat up a minority or, or whatever just it was their their aesthetic and so uh I, I, I thought that was a cool look and wanted to go there. I remember my, it's like my, cause I only went to Saint behind for two years. I had a, I loved it. It was a t-shirt that said, this is not a Fugazi t-shirt. Um, and I thought it was the coolest kid ever. Cause I was like the only one who knew Fugazi was and Fugazi who, you know, Ian Makai from minor threat, like they very famously didn't sell merch. Like you couldn't. There was no Fugazi T-shirt, so I found this T-shirt that wasn't a Fugazi T-shirt, but by you know extension was a Fugazi. So I wore the hell out of that, and like I'll see people now who remember that, like ha- I haven't seen since high school. And they you remember. were the Fugazi, yeah. I was like, like two, th- th- two or three days a week I'd wear that shirt. You know, I was the
0: Jerome Bettis th- number thirty-six Pittsburgh Steeler jersey guy for two years. My first two years of high school was just Steelers. Was, I wore that twice a week for some reason. There are I don't these, know
1: why. there are these ubiquitous teams affiliations that don't make any sense like that fucking charlotte hornets jacket that everybody mm. wore and i was yeah, like that color i can recognize yeah, the color like, right when you say blue it. and purple yeah, like what? Yeah. The, where the fuck and then i think i think it was because of vanilla ice everybody had fucking hurricanes miami hurricanes hats yeah yeah uh and i remember a lot of Steelers stuff and then of course you know jordan and all that but um so high school was was an eclectic mix of people though so
0: you were you weren't you weren't stuck in one crew yourself. You I wasn't weren't.
1: stuck in any crew. I, I you it, wrestled though. You said you did. Do, do I wrestled it? for a little bit. I played football there for a little bit, but I really didn't like Saint Pete High because it was where all the wealthy kids go, went, and I felt, I felt, I, I just couldn't connect with them.
0: Did your uh, academics improve at all in high school? Or were you still kind of just?
1: I dabbled with they had the IB program, the International Baccalaureate, which is like a magnet for like smart students, and I, I did it for a while, but I just, I never had the work ethic. I just didn't put in the time. I just. I don't know if it was depression, I don't know if it was, I don't know what you know, I don't know what it would be diagnosed as today, but I just it didn't it wasn't it didn't interest me. I didn't have a drive to do well.
0: So when you graduate high school, first, what's your greatest high school story? What what is the most epic if you know everyone's got like the football, the fucking football game or they won the touchdown in the last minute if I was it, never the hero in high school. Your own anti-hero bullshit. It doesn't matter. In your own no, head, I just, in your own yeah. head, what was what was something you're like, "Holy shit, we were at the skate park and this kid's neck broke in front of me." Or it mm-hmm. was what, what was something that was uh an intense memory. Let's just put it that way. An intense memory from high school for you. Uh before we kind of move on. Does it have to
1: be a good one or can it be a bad no,
0: one? No, bad ones are better. So,
1: uh my second half of high school I went to Northeast High with and my dad was a teacher there. And so, um we would drive to school together. And, uh, he, that was during one of his periods where he really struggled hard with, uh, alcohol. And I remember, I remember we would park the car and he would go sit in his classroom and throw up in his wastebasket. And I would stand by the door to make sure no one came in and see him throwing up in the wastebasket. And, uh, you know, at the time I didn't think a lot about it like I I wasn't like mad at him and and I'm not mad at him now, but I, I, it's amazing to me how kind of just matter of fact that was for me. Like now you'd hear that, like doing the type of law that I do now, like a a kid would be taken from a parent for that. And this was just the fucking status quo back then. And I also remember uh, it was like a geometry class or something. And the teacher, the teacher came up to me and she's like, you know, you shouldn't smoke cigarettes. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you just like, you smell like a chimney. And I was like, Oh, I was like, well, my dad smokes and, and it kind of stuck with like, I didn't realize that I smelled like smoke to people. And so I don't know that good, bad or whatever, but, but I those remember are memories. Stuff like that. But,
0: yeah. But, but, you know, so thinking about, you know, having to hold the door or watch the door while your dad there, do you think that maybe affected your even subconsciously your academic approach to things? Do you think that yeah, no, I do, think you know there was, I mean? a. I think there was, even though a, you're not processing at the time necessarily that there, there might've been some of that kind of residue, you know, that
1: you're just like, fuck everything. And you go into your own head. Maybe that's exactly what it was. And and, and in retrospect, that's exactly what it was. I, I think I was withdrawn because of what I was perceiving subconsciously of my parents stress and anxiety and, and how they dealt with it. Uh, you know, not having other siblings in the house to, play with to talk, talk with or whatever, you know, I was seeing firsthand two adults that struggled with dependency and depression and, and all that. So yeah, no, I think that's what it was exactly. Right. Yeah. Even though it's looking back on things, right. It's always easier to kind of be like, yeah, maybe that situation was, well, I've spent, I've spent a couple of mortgages worth of uh, money on therapy. And so I've, I've got, Independent confirmation. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Professional confirmation. Yeah, I've got, i got, I can show you the, the math on it. So
0: then out of high school, what, what are your college options when you're in high school? So you're not, you know, I had a
1: scholarships,
0: I, prepaid college was no, big in
1: Florida for a while or? There, we had no prepaid. Um, uh, my GPA was like a 2.6 or a 2. Point, it's like a B minus maybe. Um, I remember I applied to, I forget but I got it I I I think I was Auburn or Clemson um some other fucking schools whatever but uh UCF is where I applied and I got into and that just seemed like the place to go because it was far enough away that I was not staying home for college but it wasn't so far away that I couldn't come back so that's what I did but even then like I remember my parents didn't help me fill out a single application not that they should have but i just I, how i see how parents nurture their kids and all the shit that they do for their kids now like i i think i mailed the schools and asked them for the applications and i filled them out on my own and i mailed them and i don't even think they were like pushing me on it like it just kind of i did it which kind of blows my mind now because literally like i watched my wife with our kids and it's just like okay i laid out your homework and that i made out a, a, a the but printed out a sheet of keywords so that you can read it on your way to school and all this other stuff. And that just wasn't how it was for well, me going back. You know, being an only child. You said you might've just been the
0: accident or been planned. You're not sure, but you know, some people, I think there is an inherent inherently parental people. So my parents adopted me and i don't think that they were the most apparently people you know mm-hmm. what I mean? they never through high school my parents never asked about my prom i never did a single high school photo and they didn't they just weren't involved in that at all and i do you know i wrestled they didn't come to my matches or anything like there wasn't that involved but i don't know if it was the mentality of them at the time my dad just worked and my mom didn't i think it was time.
1: a factor of the time for sure and 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 by the way you know i adore my parents oh same they, here yeah, yeah they next. were the most kind loving you know they adored me they worshipped the ground that i walked on they were kind and they loved me to death and i think but that goes to my point of is there that extra step like saying your wife does just like does all these extra things
0: some people have that just that extra parent parent gene that just makes them go above and beyond and some people are a little bit hands off with their parent and my parents let me evolve into the person i wanted to be they weren't and i'm very grateful yeah right i'm killing it i'm grateful for that situation you know but i i don't i don't blame them at all for any of how they raised me that was their
1: personality type yeah i mean in the world of fucking childhoods or in the world of life experiences Uh, i think it's fucking gravy like i don't have anything to complain about but but, but it would be nice to have, yeah. Like, so you I, had to apply it's, for it's college. Just the, it's just the answer to the question, right, you know, yeah. I, not good, not bad. It's just, that's what happened. So. Yeah. So you're applying for college, you get into UCF.
0: What, what is your degree? What are you going to do when you go to college? No what fucking do you think, clue. Is, no, like, no, you're just, you're, are you just going with the flow at this point to go to college? I just did it.
1: Cause that's what I was supposed to do. I didn't have any drive to be anything at that point that I could think of. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to major what in. What
0: year did you graduate high school?
1: nine 94 uh, what was the best album that year Ninety four. is that when smells like teen spirit came out and stuff is no that, those it? had been out for a while that, I, that around the time that i'm a senior i remember like fucking house of pain and cypress hill was like okay everybody like everybody was a fucking pothead everybody listened to house <laughs> of pain and cypress hill like cypress hill was like you know you have the high school party and the car would pull up, the doors would open and just clouds Insane
2: in the memory. Yeah. And,
1: yeah, clouds and just clouds of marijuana on, yeah. smoke. Yep. Would come Everybody out. knows the lyrics. And yeah. So I, I don't know if that was the, the album. All right,
0: I, I just want to set the soundtrack. Sure. You're filling out your college application sure. and yeah, you're, yeah. you're listening. You're getting, are you getting high at this point or are you still straight edge? Uh, didn't drink
1: smoke. I have in my life. I'm 46. Tried pot twice. Oh, wow. And, and just the fact that I call it trying pot yeah. tells I, you everything you need to I, know. I
0: tried, pot twice before i came yeah, to I know, yeah, in the parking <laughs>
1: lot before I, uh you know it's funny that's something that surprises people about me because i i don't know because i like music or because i have a beard or because i just look like a, you know kind of a hipster brew guy or what you know whatever the case may be uh people assume it but no i haven't i i, I haven't and now it's funny because the world i live in now as a as an attorney not that there's not a shit ton of attorneys who have all sorts of drug problems, but. Like I, I, ha- I have to constantly go take tests for my life insurance and I have to go, you know, before that it was, we were trying to get pregnant. And so we had, we had to go give urine to, to, you know, have my blood tested or whatever to, cause we were trying to do in vitro to have kids or I don't know. It just always seemed like whatever chapter of my life I was in, I was at least kind of responsible enough to at least think of, you know, this might be an issue. And then a lot of it is who I married too. My, my wife is very, um, you know, she's, she's not a drug person and so she wouldn't be with one either. And so I, I think, you know, she's, she's been a good influence on me in a lot of ways that I just like you can be with me or you could, you know, I smoked cigarettes a lot in in the beginning of law school and in college, I just thought it looked cool. It was a very cinematic thing. I just, you know, was always thought having a cigarette hanging off your lip was Badass it does and, look cool. Oh, I'm I mean, gonna be honest, I mean, come on, we, the well, smoke. Well, I mean, I, 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 I mean I, fucking ass, <laughs> it's but uh, but the, the I, it was at some point she's like, well, that's a non-starter for me. Like, you can smoke or you can be with me. And I was like, okay, well, it's and an easy, now the thought of smoking, easy choice. Well, I mean, not not for everybody, but now the thought of it is just kind of alien to me. Like, I I wouldn't, you know, I, I she it's funny I, I I don't think so much anymore. But there's a good ten year period where. She's like you. You kind of smell like smoke. It's I always fucking smell like smoke. I was like, you know what? Maybe I just smell like fucking smoke. Somebody <laughs> needs to get off my back. Residue no. from your childhood. I don't man. know. Yeah, it's just my rotten cinder of a heart permeating <laughs> my skin. But um, so but uh, anyway. Oh, so, so, so let's drugs. get in, let's yeah. get into college here. College. So, so college so is a big time. We're listening
0: to Cypress Hill. We're rolling into. I'm UCF. not listening to
1: Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill's playing. Okay. I go to UCF. There's Collegiate Village Inn, which is this this converted hotel across the street from UCF. My parents put me up in and uh, I have my tool poster on the wall. I have my rage against the Sh- machine poster on the wall. Um, I think those were the two posters that I had, man. That was Lollapalooza, like 94. right? Yeah. 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 And uh, all those guys, were I there. had already seen Rollins band by then. I already seen the butthole surfers by then. All in Florida. It's, oh yeah. The fairgrounds. I, I mean, I've talked so much about it in other podcasts. i probably should just shut up at the, the butthole service thing to this day. Like if, if, if there was a film about me, there's going to be a scene of that concert in it. Um, cause that just somehow stained my soul forever to like, like weird weirdness in my music, like, like darkness and weirdness. And it's funny cause it's so alien to my wife she's like i don't understand why you wear all these like satan shirts and everything and it's like it's like because it's just like a fuck you to society like it's just funny like i'm not you know but you know i was i posted the other day i went to go pick up my daughter from girl scouts and i have my napalm death shirt on she's just like shaking her head at me like jesus but uh anyway so yeah um uh it was also woodstock um I, I don't remember which one it was, but it was the one with Green Day where they were throwing clumps of mud at each that other. That was ninety nine. No, I'm
0: pretty sure that was no. ninety nine. No, I, I think ninety nine was 99 the was year the, anniversary. No, maybe I it was
1: the twenty five year. Then in ninety four, that's was like, right. Ninety nine was, I think, the one with the fires, like uh, Limp Biscuit. Oh no, that, yeah, that was okay. the one where they like burn it down. So, so the mud one was ninety four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Woodstock mud, Woodstock fire. <laughs> yeah. It's like the elemental. <laughs> Thing that they're doing but yeah so uh and and i got really into um the revelation uh catalog so uh gorilla biscuits uh youth of today all the new york hardcore and that was you know we talked about buying things because of the album cover i started buying music because of the label um it didn't matter who the band was it didn't whatever i just knew that if it was on discord if it was on revelation if it was on you know grand Royal. If it was on these different, whatever it was, it was like, I'm going to dig it. I mean, Does,
0: that doesn't exist anymore, man. All these micro labels are, they're really just owned by big, big companies. Pretty and much. You know, the, it's the, funny. The one label I liked was Ipecac from Mike Ipecac, Patt- yeah, yeah, Mike fucking, Patton had a bunch of great For sure. And stuff. Uh, him
1: and Buzzo from uh, from uh, Melvin's. Yeah, for sure. I love uh, Yeah. Still. I mean, that still exists. Uh, well, Sub Pop was another one. Yeah. Sub Pop yeah, meant something popular. back then. I mean, it still does now, but sub pop was very much a like, Oh, you know, that was the grunge label and discord was like the DC kind of punk thing. And, and revelation was the New York punk thing. And, uh, I forget But this punk is hardcore punk. We're talking, uh,
0: faster than Rollins band
1: or what, what was the genre really? So, so black flag is, so here's a, here's a primer on punk, but so black flag, um, was LA, California, um, Minutemen, California, Bad Brains, New York, Minor Threat, DC, uh, and they all developed these tour routes that they would jump in a van. I mean, there's a there's a book and a spoken word and an album, get in the van that talks about, you know, how these bands would just pile into a band and they would just play somewhere and sleep on someone's floor and then they would get enough money to like, share a sandwich and have enough gas to get to the next place. And so they started developing all these tour routes, which still exist today. So that was kind of like the first wave of hardcore. Then you get the second wave of hardcore, which is, you know, I'll say Gorilla Biscuits again. And I, I, it's funny because now I'm blanking on uh, some of the other bands, but for whatever reason, Youth of Today. So Ray Capo, Youth of Today, Walter Schreifels, Gorilla Biscuits. That uh, second
0: wave, though, what's the change in the music? Is it faster? Faster, Is it the, faster
1: okay. and the, the the straight edge thing becomes more prominent, I think. Like Minor Threat was the only straight edge of the earlier wave that I talked about. Bad Brains weren't necessarily straight edge. Um, Black Flag definitely wasn't straight edge. Minutemen wasn't straight edge. Minor Threat was talking about, you know, not having premarital sex and not <laughs> drinking and all that They're this the, the under
0: oath of hardcore
1: <laughs> yeah and then but but the fucking the second wave really like that was every fucking song was about that plus it became very chanty it almost sounded like school fight songs like like the new york you know and you had agnostic front and uh uh who's the other one who's the other one fucking crow mags and you know and and now it's funny i go back and listen to those. i don't know if it was the crow mags or no it was Ag- agnostic front played over in saint pete like couple months ago with prince midnight and some other bands and i was listening to chromatic song and they almost seem like they almost seem like commercials for new york city (laughs) i mean they're all like fucking new york you know don't fuck with us it's just like i mean it's like do you guys just get up every morning expecting to fight somebody like is every day just just angst a battle for territory or you know is there a day where maybe you have to return something at target you know like (laughs) is it always this huge war but uh so I got really, really into the hardcore punk in, in college. Uh, but then Tool, you know, Tool's coming around then, and their second album, Enema, well, t- technically their third album, that, that I wore wore out. And then there's this dark period, which I'll ascribe to starting to date where there was country music involved. And I just, Ooh. yeah. Not what good. type of – I mean, listen, back the in the worst day, fucking kind.
0: Well, I I, I listen a lot of – I grew up on Brooks and Dunn. George Strait.
1: George Strait's okay. Brooks yeah. and
0: Dunn. Eh. they're great songwriters, man. They're the Steely Dan of country. That's my opinion. Steely they are. They, they have good musicianship. I don't know, know if that's stuff. an insult
1: to country Steely Dan or Brooks and Dunn. No, <laughs> it's think, a, it's a compliment I, to all of them. Yeah, I think, I think they could you. all have a I, word with I, each I prom- other. Yeah, there, but uh, but uh, but
0: was, <laughs> I, there was a phase. Listen, uh, the country music radio station was the most, it might still be the most popular radio oh, station in the country. There's I, more I, country music than anything that's else. That's how
1: I sleep at night. Is I I kind of think it was like. Mass hypnosis. You're just sucked into. Well, it, it was because okay. of girls. I mean, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. my wife may listen to this at some point, so I'm not going to go too far down it. But, but if you wanted to go hang out with the opposite sex, you were going to Eight Seconds or whatever the club was in Church Street in Orlando, and they'd fucking. And you better have, know how to dance to that one. Oh, they were all. It was all and, fucking yeah. line dancing, and boogie, and even then, I knew it was like lame as shit. Like <laughs> I was in there with my vans and my metal T-shirts on, but I was there, which. Still, well, say, who's the
0: greatest guitarist in country music?
1: Kenny Chesney. No, not Kenny Chesney.
0: Kenny Chesney. No, not Kenny Chesney.
1: No, no, no. I have his fucking That's a guitar. trick
0: question. There isn't fucking really anyone. No, there the, is. There is. Because uh, it's a, the musicianship. See, now we're going to get a country music fan going to tell us. All well, the no, I mean, I, I
1: will talk to you about country, like good country music <laughs> in, in, all day in long. In general. Brad Paisley. Brad, Brad Paisley. Paisley? Okay, I so. have a Brad Paisley Telecaster. That's one of my favorite guitars. He's a fucking shredder. Um, that's good that he actually plays and sings still.
0: You know what I mean. That, yeah. that, that's what I. will. that's you know I, I respect. I don't listen John, to Brad Cash and all those type of guys. Oh, the, the
1: the true outlaw right. country people. Yes, the
0: outlaws. Yeah, my dad had that record. The outlaws with the four faces. Those on guys it and stuff. are. Yeah. Those
1: guys are Bible. I mean, those guys are forever the Chris coolest. Christopherson back when he was. But still, they were all. I mean, if you look at their their social view on life, their like politics, their philosophy, they were they were they were punk they were punk as shit yeah. and they were smoking you know, joints
0: in the white house. And I mean, come on, man. Like,
1: but whereas country developed into during this time frame when I'm in college and thereafter, it mean, it's like, Oh, it's Garth it's, Brooks. Oh, it's well, it's like the GOP fucking soundtrack. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, I always joke every time I hear Walmart country, I just hear like lynchings and police shootings <laughs> and just the worst versions of racism. And, and even though that's not what the songs are about, it's this celebration of this, version of america that people find sexy that i just find to be so ridiculous well yeah country music's not racist but racist listen to country
0: music well you of, look at you, know, you, know,
1: you know uh who's fucking desantis the you know i remember seeing recently, The he's like from lakeland or something and went to yale and all this other shit and he's at this fucking thing and he's got cowboy boots on and i'm just yep, like yeah, motherfucker yeah. <laughs> i mean people the cowboy boots are fine whatever but like they just got ruined with his with his uh pinstripe pants his on his fucking boots. cuffed khakis <laughs> yes. and his bullshit <laughs> blazer and his pin
0: and all right, get so out of here. Let, let's get back to college. UCF, have you picked a degree yet, man?
1: Because after two years,
0: you can't just be undecided,
1: right? Don't you have I to I thought philosophy was where the money was. So where the money <laughs> I'm, was? I'm, I'm joking. Okay, I was going to... Uh, no, but I want to do philosophy. I, I thought I might be like a philosophy professor or something. So I was like doing world religions, philosophy, all this shit. Somewhere in that time frame, though, um, X-Files comes out. That is my favorite TV show like Fucking X-Files, all time. us, and... Um Silence of the Lambs. Favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Uh In the Line of Fire. And they're all FBI. And I was like, you know what? Is in the line of fire, is that the Harrison Ford one? No, it's that's no, that's uh, a President Danger. In the line of fire is Clint Eastwood where John Malkovich is trying to assassinate the president and Clint Eastwood's like this aging out, uh, secret service guy. Of course who's, he is. He's been aging out hey, for hey, that 40 fucker's years. Been 90 for 40 years. Yeah. Like I don't know. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I don't get know. off the white house I, lawn. Yeah. I yeah. think he's like a hologram like Tupac anymore. I don't think he's real, still alive, but anyway, so yeah, you're doing philosophy in college that professor, but somewhere along and this is right in line with the smoking the cigarettes this all happens at the same time i wanted to be the detective who is his marriage isn't going well he drinks too much he smokes cigarettes but he's the fucking guy who's gonna catch the killer like that appealed to me and whether it was uh molder special agent molder or clint eastwood or brad pitt and seven or robert de niro and heat or uh fucking usual suspects these are all movies that are out at this time it was just like something in the world of crime law just was like law and order i just wanted to be dark i wanted to be a dark kind of crusader uh and so I go and become a criminal justice major and poli sci major and start taking all these criminal classes. What year in
0: college do you switch over? Finally, junior
1: year. Junior year. Yeah, um, it's funny because I was writing. I, I, it's funny now thinking about it because as lazy as I was in school, I made a bunch of money my freshman and sophomore years, uh, ghost writing papers for the football and basketball team. <laughs> and I remember because I didn't have a computer, I had a word processor, and I would I would I would charge like twenty bucks to write a paper, and I was making like you know enough money to go to the record store and buy CDs. But uh. so anyways, um, then I go to criminal justice and all this stuff and I decide I'm going to sit for the, uh, Oh, the, the, but the, the, the fugitive, um, the movie. The yeah. Fugitive? Yeah. So uh, I, I just, I, I signed up for and sat for the U S marshals exam and I took it at, I think I took it at USF and uh, I went, got up early, didn't study, didn't know like what the fuck it was. Uh, I went down there and I think out of maybe 50 people that sat for the exam, I was the only person who wasn't in the military and I was like, oh, okay, well, like, is that going to be something you're going to want from me? Cause I don't, you know, I'm not in the military and I, I think I got a decent score, but I think the fact that I wasn't in the military hadn't ever held a gun, hadn't any of that stuff kind of worked against me. And so that didn't happen. So um,
0: that sounds like your ambition getting way ahead of yourself. It's well, not you just, just
1: should, being fucking naive and not right, knowing like, how the world right. was like, Oh, uh, I guess I'll go be a dark. I'll be a marshal tomorrow. Yeah. And, yeah. It's Do so you, you guys need people, right? So yeah, where's
0: my gun and badge? I'm here.
1: <laughs> so then I think I went to, at some point I went to like a job fair and somebody somewhere said to me, you know, FBI, the only way you're getting in is if you're a lawyer and accountant. And I knew it wasn't going to be an accountant because I fucking hated math and, you know, it's like, that's not going to work. So uh, I, I I took a year between college and law school and I worked at Cha-Cha Coconuts at the pier in St. Pete and saved up money, hung out with tons of potheads and people that were n- going nowhere in their life. And I Future said, clients? Yeah. I, well, I just was like, these people are making just enough money to go out and drink after work. Smoke weed, do coke, and then they do it again tomorrow. And then they do it again. And then they do it again. And then they do it again. It's just like, I don't want to, that's not my thing. And so I uh, got enough money together. I got into Stetson. And, and so it started there in 99. What'd you graduate UCF with? What degree? A dual, a, a Bachelor of Arts of Sciences, a double degree in poli sci and criminal justice. What did you need to get into Stetson just passing? Do you need to actually, a my grades were a little bit better in college. Not because I was trying harder, but I mean, I've, college at that time it was almost like if you showed up, you you did okay. I, know, I,
0: I had a buddy who went to Stetson, and he pretty much said that there's really no, pre law is just kind of like a bullshit term. You know, what I mean, like you can get into Stetson without any law,
1: there's without no, any degrees yeah, no, there's in no, law or anything. I mean, I'll tell you which degrees you should have if you're going to do right, it. I mean, right, you but should, not you necessarily you should, on paper pre no, styled style. You should know how to fucking be able to write clearly is a real big one that no one. Fucking thinks about, but it's really important. Um, but uh yeah, no, you didn't need anything specific. So, so you graduate
0: UCF, you take a year off, you're hanging out with some dope heads, some I'm gonna use your word, ne'er duels. Nair duels. Some yeah. ne'er duels, and uh you decide, okay, I'm gonna go to Stetson, save some money up. So what what age are you when you walk in the doors? First of all, what music is playing? And what age are you when you walk into the Stetson hallways the first time? So it's ninety nine, you said, right?
1: Yeah. Ooh, what's
0: I, what's the music in '90? Fucking Madonna came back or something. No, like was, I
1: remember like American Pie came out and like Blink One Eighty Two. Everybody's fucking listening to Blink One Eighty Two. Still think Green Day was it was pop punk. Is like every like sh- and and like everything from OK pop punk to like shitty like you know. I, I remember there was this band Lit. And I liked lit, but literally I think there was one song. I mean, like Smash Mouth was a fucking was just ugh, dark days the and music. Marcy's
0: Playground, I smell like sexy oh, yeah, candy. Yeah. Oh, that was sure. ninety nine, I think, around it was that time. all
1: yeah. Garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could still jam on some certain Blink 182 songs, but No, it's pretty trash, man. You don't have to sugarcoat it. It is, but I mean, there's a there's like a couple songs off of Dude Ranch, which still kind of make me laugh. But it's funny, I, I never thought of this at the time, and it's only come to light more, but uh how like in pop punk music is because almost all of the pop punk at least from that time it's all about it's some girl's fault that your life sucks you know like it's every song is well it's sad boy shit it's really then yeah, but, but it's and- funny because you think about it now and it's so kind of Tone happy. deaf and off color, and you know the the, the way that this came to me is, uh, and you, you may have even been involved. Well, I know you are involved because you filmed this concert, um, uh, when uh, teenage bottle uh, rocket. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, I meet Paul from Leadfoot, and he's in the news because they're gonna require um, uh, vaccine cards or whatever to come in, and I'm helping him with me Brian Schaefer over at Se- the sex park of Tampa, skate park of Tampa, um. What do you call it? What do you call those the the psychological things where you say something the Freudian Freudian slip yeah the um, sex park at we'll T- that, that doesn't mean year. anything but <laughs> yeah there's nothing there but I don't know why that came out but uh, so um and I didn't really know teenage bottle rocket that wasn't that's not they weren't really on my radar as any kind of music that I listened to I started listening to them as I was working with Paul on getting that show going uh, and then you know, went to that event. It was a super cool event. Uh, it was, it was, you know, right in the midst of, of COVID and, uh, we were, you know, he was on the news and teenage bottle rocket was on the news and, you know, it was this cool kind of COVID thing. And I was, you know, I was helping Tom out at, at the crowbar, to, like figure out what his policy was going to be. And, you know, it was kind of cool. Cause it was this intersection of what I do for a living and what I enjoy and, uh, the, going on a big tangent, but getting to the point. So that show, great show. Rutterkin was on it. Uh, Make War, I think, was the other band. And then after the after, like really soon after the fact, I think it was Chewy Hempel or somebody on Facebook posted about you know them being accused of grooming or something. Grooming something that, or uh, I mean, it wasn't straight out rape, but it wasn't right, good either. Right. And, Accusations, yeah. And so I I remember I listened to like a podcast and I started reading articles about it. And somewhere in there, there was a reference to pop punk kind of being all about you know marginalizing women or and it's not it's not true without exception but it's there's definitely something to it yeah it 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 is kind of a a a sad like i said sad boy kind of mopey
0: lyrics to it a lot of times and it's like it, it really and looking back at blink 182 like not, not a bunch of attractive dudes or anything. You know what I mean? It's a bunch of. Like, well, it was, I mean, all the, it was all
1: these thinly veiled, like <laughs> masturbation jokes and very juvenile. But, you know, I was fucking 20. So, so. All right. So
0: Blink 182 is the soundtrack. You're walking into Stetson Law. um, Your first year, let me know when you met your wife. But first, your first year. So my buddy who went, he's, he, I didn't see him for about 18 months. He studied his ass off for 18 months, two years to, to finalize the test or the bar test and everything. What was your, f- Experience the first year. How did it feel to you? So it was. Were you able to be lazy and skate? No. Okay. No, but that's that's what's
1: so great about it is because whereas in high school or college you're studying, but you'd rather be out partying. In law school, everybody is there to study. My wife enters the picture and went to play basketball or something. I was walking back to the library and I see her like put a note on my car. I was like, "What the fuck? what's what's going on there?" And then we all went out to Ebor, like everybody. And she was like talking to me a lot. And I was like, "This is fucking weird." Like, I like I I, I never dated anybody. Were I you in incel cell at this point? No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was I was celibate, but not in the, like I would not involuntarily. It just I didn't even I wasn't this. This will sound weird, and it, it I don't it, I don't see it as weird. But I've never been an overly sexual person, meaning. I've just not, I'm not like a guy, who, you know, I've not like, you know, I, por- but porn wasn't nothing that I really cared about. Like I, you know, I didn't comment on women's, you know, boob, you know, you're not out there hunting. Poo-tang. I'm just, yeah, I'm just not, yeah. I wasn't that I'm Not. I mean, I'm attracted to, to, but it just wasn't, it wasn't a primary focus of mine ever. It just really wasn't. And I think a lot of that was how I was raised. I mean, my dad didn't, and that, that's a whole other chapter, but, um, you know it just wasn't raised to be a a, a sexual person in a, in a way and so i just didn't you know so so let's go back to she's leaving this note on your car well skipping ahead is she's interested she's she likes me and uh and i'm just like what the fuck's going on here like i don't get like what what like i I still tell her that she's got horrible vision and poor taste in people and (laughs) you know none of it the math it just doesn't add up but in any event i mean all this time you know we're talking about music was me studying with dina in the library and it's funny, when I bought this building, I put a mural on the outside that is referenced to an Elliott Smith album. And we had, you know, Elliott Smith and Sufjan Stevens and Jeff Buckley and these kind of like singer songwriter things that we would always have on real low while we were studying. So if we're talking about the law school musical experience, that was that and then the fucking Cure uh the Disintegration album was like the make-out sesh album for Dina and I after we would finish. I'm not familiar with The Cure. So is that an album that was current? In you're not the, in familiar the, with The Cure. I, I, I Robert Smith and stuff. That's I, I'm one familiar. of my favorite. You're going to listen to that album whether you but like it or not. when did it come out? Was it late 90s it had, No, it had been out. It had, it had, it, been, it had out. been around for a while. But they come out with albums since then. And it, for sure. Just, but, but for whatever reason, that was my
0: wife and my that was your go-to album let's put this on and well it's funny because well getting back to
1: the getting back to film soundtracks the first song on that album playing song is a very john hughes song it's like at the end when fucking uh who's the redheaded chick that's in 16 candles molly ringwald yeah molly ringwald and jake are like sitting on the kitchen table next to the window like there was this very kind of finding each other in your younger life kind of weird sound to that album that, I mean, I've talked to the guys at Half gun. We'll try. I mean, almost everybody that likes music that knows that album can, will all agree that that album is singular. I mean, it's just send it to me. You oh, it's listen. so fucking brilliant. You'll so, love it. So at what point does, uh, we get, we get married relatively quickly thereafter. Um, that's right around the time I start my law firm. And, uh, but because she had been married before, we decided we weren't going to have kids for a while, and we traveled a bunch. Um, you know, we went to Greece in law school. And we went to France a couple times and Italy a couple times, and she took me to Ireland and we've been to Scotland. You know, all these things. So We really had a good time. And then, you know, it's funny because I've talked about a lot. You know, how old I felt my dad was when he had me. How much older he was than the other fathers he had me when he was thirty eight. And so we started trying to have a kid, and it took us a while. We had to, you know, have some assistance from the medical community and. We end up having my daughter Stella when I'm 38, so you know it's the exact same age that my dad was when he had me. So I'm the old dad now too. Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny,
0: but uh, so anyway. there, there's a lot of a lot of time in between there. So so you guys get together, you get married. How old are
1: you when you get married? Right around 30. I mean, we got married in 2005. I was born in 75. So 85, 95, 2005, 30. 30. So, what type of wedding do you guys have? So, she's on the, such beach, a big on the beach in Anna Maria. Well, she's a big planner, but big, not only that, but she's this big fucking Italian family with a million cousins. And she's got three brothers and two sisters and a million cousins. And her family just have this rich history on Anna Maria Island. So, we go, we get married on the beach in Anna Maria. And then the following year, we get married in the church. Um, But uh, yeah. Was
0: it the church thing? uh for her family the yeah. religious side cuz it's not official if it's not done under god's house or something like that right yeah exactly okay. right
1: you know and 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 it's funny cuz it's not too much longer around this that my mom gets Diagnosed with cancer, and any vestige I had in f- of faith in anything when she gets cancer was wiped away, never to return. Yeah, the, it, it Except is. Except if you're at Christ the King, where my children go to school, <laughs> and then I'm a good Catholic, and I'll see you guys at church on Sunday.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, everyone's faith gets tested through. Bullshit that happens in everyone's days. Like, but Catholicism is the gateway to atheism. <laughs> yeah. Know, I'm agnostic. I guess I can say, but I grew up Catholic too. And I, I think it's just voodoo Catholicism in my own opinion of the baptismals and the eating the body of Christ and the rituals. And it's very, that's a whole other podcast, yeah, but
1: I, I think there's value there. I think there is value that comes through an education in a, in a school like that. I think there is some value in in taking an hour. Once a week to be thankful for the things that you oh, yeah, have, definitely, you know, and so to the extent that it puts you in the best position to do that, I think all those things are good. But I still to this day have a hard time sending my daughter to a Catholic school, knowing that there is a, 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 a disconnect in how the sexes are treated, you know. There's no female priest. There's no female pope. There's no, you know, why is that? Are they not good enough? Are right. they not whatever? I and mean, and that
0: implants in children too, that type of early yeah. thing of, yeah, that women in a, a position.
1: It's so, it's so, so hack and trite and whatever else, but I became a, a huge feminist when I had my daughter. Like, fuck this, you know, like, why are, why are all the girls' toys princesses and all She's the gonna boys? She's going to be whatever she wants to yeah, be. Yeah, all the boys whatever, are firefighters yeah. and all the girls are, you know, I was. But,
0: so let's go back to your wedding. I'm just curious because I want to stay on some music here. Sure. So what, was there any music that you fuck slipped yeah. to the DJ that you're like, listen, you need to play? Not only that. You're going to
1: play The Cure
0: so I can kiss her to the
1: – like what was some of the go-to yeah. songs for oh, your wedding, w- man? Well, I'm looking around because I, I spent 50 man hours on fucking LimeWire downloading, downloading burning a cd that we gave out to all the guests and i have one here. that I just is found so, it the other day that's, uh, that's so 2005 oh well, fucking limewire <laughs> jesus christ man the I sheridan
0: wedding <laughs> mixtape
1: oh i think i killed every CD. computer I, probably the fbi has a file on me it was just awful but what was what was one of the outsider go-to songs that you're like oh man not what, everyone's
0: gonna like this but fuck them i'm putting it in there.
1: uh never tear us apart by nxs was on oh, that's there a, that's i like that's that song. a fucking brilliant song yeah. but uh I, there was a movie high fidelity with uh john q's Za and uh, at the end of that movie, they have this uh, Stevie Wonder song, I believe when I fall in love so I love that song and I from some, the movie you yeah like, See, back well, to the he movies. didn't sing he didn't Stevie Wonder didn't record that song right, right. For the but you that song was to the, it yeah, the movie and I loved it and and you know somehow I sold Dina on it, which I think I think <laughs> now she kind of looks back and it's not that she doesn't like the song, but I think she wishes it was something. You know, different. But uh, now we had Beatles on there. We had In um, Excess. We had Stevie Wonder. What country? Country music? Yeah, country. Thankfully, yeah. none. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think of wedding country songs. But... There might have been like, there might be one. My buddy. Dina, Dina was huge in the funk. Dina, like, is friends with it. Like, I, I make this joke, but she's been on like every tour bus of every country band from like, <laughs> well, this was all. That music was going on when she was a Bucks cheerleader for eight or nine years. So, you know, every Strawberry Festival and every other fucking thing when it's like the Almond Bets band or whatever version of Leonard Skinner still existed, <laughs> or um, Ty uh, Ty is it Ty Herndon? Like they they're still friends to this day and they talk and. Like Dina's, like, a she's like a rain man of country music in the yeah, 80s. Strawberry Music
0: Festival, that's coming up, right? That's uh, Could, I, yeah,
1: I avoid that like the fucking plague. It's man. always
0: mm-hmm. the the acts they have now are very side stage acts. It'll be like, oh, come on, yeah, yeah, Kelly Clarkson and the pig farm area, yeah. I guess, or something. You know, what I mean? at the strawberry, my, my, it's just funny to me. The strawberry festival my music selection,
1: redneck uh, Italian Latino wife, bucks, <laughs> it's, just, it's just so funny.
0: All right. So we get married here. So when you guys start a practice, it's you two to get It is originally Sheridan Shobe. It's just you.
1: Shob is Marie, who just joined. Oh, yeah, i sorry. Yeah. She's Versiglio. the siglio. No, it's just me. It's Josh Sheridan, PA. I do that for a year. I join up with my buddy Jesse Berkowitz and his sister Joan. That's a good attorney name. Yeah. Pff, fucking yeah. What I love about Jesse is his middle name is David. So I always call him David Berkowitz, like <laughs> the son was, of Sam. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and so we did that for two years and that was my first experience with how difficult it is to have a partnership. I mean, I still adore Jesse and, and, you know, Joan taught me so much, but everything you could do wrong in being a partnership, we did wrong. It was just fucking brutal. So that ended. Uh, I come over to Tampa as part of like the split, like they're going to keep Pinellas. So I'm going to take Tampa. Um, not, not, that that meant anything, but like I had to pay for the phone book ads for Hillsborough County. This is when you still spent five thousand dollars a month on a fucking yellow pages ad. Or God, whatever. it was so
0: expensive. Oh, it was
1: ridiculous, out of, out of control. And uh, so Dina leaves the state attorney's office one year after me. She stayed a year longer. She does one year with Sandy Solomon and Robert Tropp on Kennedy and a great firm, but they fucking worked her to death. She had her own firm BlackBerry that never stopped ringing. And the, the straw that broke the camel's back was her grandma was dying. And like, they were like blowing her up about getting some client motion ready. And she's like, it's like my, my grandma's literally like dying right now. I'm like holding her hand and I, you guys need to fuck off. And so, uh, Dina comes and works with, with, with the Berkwitzes and I, and then Dina and I split off. And then we do that until we have our daughter. And then since then Dina's been kind of more, you know, home with the kids. So I looked back, and
0: this was like last year or something. I don't know why I, I YouTube your name, and I found some old videos of you guys promoting the original law firm and stuff. And they they were pretty well done. They they weren't terrible videos. For, I mean, they're they're dated, obviously. They're, they're about I mean, eight so years the- old. They're ten years old or something. But yeah. but you guys, but that showed to me that you guys were trying. To get your name out there from the beginning. So, what is it to advertise for a firm? Is it, so, I mean, I feel like this podcast is partly advertising for you. That getting, how have you gotten your name out to to where now you have another partner? Where was the growth? Not the phone books. I don't think <laughs> the phone books you got much help
1: from. But there's a little bit of a little bit of factors here and there. I mean, getting into personal a personal injury was the growth a little bit. Uh, you know, I work with this guy Christian is over in Pinellas County and that didn't work out professionally, but we're, you know, we still have a relationship now and he was very street savvy. He kind of, he kind of, he kind of, if he didn't teach me, he showed me that you can kind of hack a system. Um, So there was that. Uh, Obviously Marie coming on helped, uh, but in a morbid way, I, I think this firm has grown more in the last two years than it did in the 18 before that. And, there's, there's a couple of factors there, but I think one of the biggest was both of my parents dying because I was developing or I was devoting so much of my, my emotional bandwidth to taking care of them as they were dying and being by their side and going to the hospital and worrying about them that I just didn't have anything left. Plus I was having kids, you know, I had Stella and then I had Bo and, um, lost both my parents within a year of each other. Uh, and I just didn't have a lot of. Anything left to do that, but then when they were gone, there was this kind of hole. And the podcast—it's not—it's not its not in, its not a coincidence that the podcast came about relatively quickly after both my parents were gone, because I think the podcast is kind of me therapy sessions. You know, I talk about it all the time, but you know, talking to you and talking to Achilles and talking to Will Quinlan and Melissa Grady and Joe Kaiser and Ray Roa—I mean, name, I'll name drop till the fucking cows come home but n- every single one of them without exception has given me something uh, something taught me something about myself taught me something about life taught me something about music taught me something about art taught me something about relationships and you know the 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 perverse thing i love about the podcast and it's funny cuz i already think it's kind of getting played out but is you're using technology and the internet a, kind of in a way that they are criticized f- or that they're not celebrated for. Like we, we think that you know our phones and computers and the internet have made us more isolated from each other, right? But I'm using this to have an hour plus conversation with you and who else have you had an hour conversation with this week or this month or this year? You know, And I'm having one a week with somebody. And I think that's where the good stuff is. You know, when you get past the pleasantries, when you get past the, did you watch the Super Bowl or you know whatever the fuck you know Super Ukraine or whatever the thing is, you start really talking to people about how they are, and they're really answering honestly about how they are, and they're not just giving you a pat answer to kind of continue on with their day. i just that is something that we've lost in this world, and I I like the mine, you know, and I've it's. It's given me fortunes in every possible way, from a personal growth perspective, from an appreciation of art perspective, from a business growth perspective, from a development of friendship. You know, it's 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 just one of the greatest things I've ever done. When you started it, a lot of the guests were. It was like Bubba
0: the Love Sponge was a like, Joey Redner. I well, think. The, the it was more a uh, legal focused one hundred percent. I feel now it's it's ninety percent music focused
1: well sure so when you start you 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 go for the low-hanging fruit and by no means am i calling joey redner the the low-hanging fruit i got lucky with joey because um i well i got lucky with joey because i got lucky by having joe and joe is still one of my favorite episodes to this day because of how fucking brilliant that guy is but that was a family relation but no a lot of it was attorney friends and people running for judge, and you know, just because that's what I had. Th- that was the low hanging fruit. You know, they're so, buddies so of mine. So
0: now, you know, you've always been a music fan. You're here in Tampa. So bringing the local music to the podcast. So what was the first local musician you had on? You're like, you know what? I'm actually going to reach out to a local musician instead of the low hanging fruit. I'll
1: tell you, I'll tell you exactly who it was. And I just talked to him this morning because he has been. And he kind of plays it down and, you know, but if you listen to the show, the bumper music is wolf face and, you know, it's, it's a, a bunch of guys that dress up in fucking wolf masks and sing pop punk, you know? And so that may not be for everybody, but the story there was, uh, when I was a state attorney, after, as I was leaving, uh, John Thacker, uh, wasn't, I, I just knew him. I we never know each other well, whatever, but. At some point, I became aware that there wasn't just a John Thacker, there was a Greg Thacker. And so, but I would always confuse them. Like, I'd see them and I'd say hi to them. And to this day, I don't know whether I was saying hi to John or to Greg. I just couldn't tell. And Greg's a little bit younger than John. But uh, at some point along the way, I don't know how it happens, but he reaches out to me, Greg Thacker, and we go to have lunch at, I think it's the Lucky Dill, or I don't think it's there anymore, but across from International Mall. And once you get to a certain spot in your career as an attorney, you know, like younger attorneys will pick your brain on stuff and i did it too you know i would you know what do you think about this whatever so i just thought this was a a younger attorney who wanted some talk about business or whatever marketing lunch or whatever so we started talking and towards the end of the lunch he's just like yeah you know i got this kind of thing that i do or you know i recorded these songs that were kind of these, you know wolf face themed or not wolf face uh teen wolf themed punk album and i was like oh that's cool he's like yeah so you know we have a band and and we record a couple albums and we've toured and stuff. And as I was talking to him, I was like, I was like, what? Like you played, you played with Fugazi. Like you play with this person, you play with that person. You've you've got fucking. I, I've heard of Face before. I knew you before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'd never heard of him. Yeah, I didn't know as who. A Tampa I didn't. Scene, yeah, I definitely. Well, well, I mean, yeah, but but and so I was talking to him, and anytime I meet somebody that is somehow related to something I like this is probably maybe close to your experience with me. The first month you, we know each other. I'm going to fucking stock your ass. I will just talk to you nonstop about, you know, with you, maybe it's movies or with Achilles. It's, you know, Norwegian death metal or whatever. But with Greg, I was just like, you know, cause I didn't have, I don't have those people to talk to in my life. I mean, I, you know, so my wife, who I have plenty of stuff to talk to, but she didn't give a shit about Henry Rollins and my kids <laughs> don't know who Henry Rollins is. And, but that was a major fucking figure in my life. So Greg was there and I could talk to him about all this shit. And we were talking and talking and talking and talking. And I was like, this is so fucking rad and everything. And I, and so the the podcast, it did start out as an, a, a marketing idea, but I, I decided very early on, I don't want it to be that. I mean, if that happens as a byproduct, that's great. But this is for me. This is my creative outlet. This is me talking to people that I am a fan of, that I'm adore. And so the answer to the question is it was <coughs> it was Michael J Wolf aka sorry Greg, I'm going to I'm going to out you here. aka Greg Thacker who's a fucking personal injury attorney. <laughs> but um uh he he did it. And 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 it continues to this day. Uh, last night uh I went and recorded with his bassist, uh, Dan Byers, at Rock Garden. So, you know, in the past year, we started up Prisoner Hostage, which is a band. And I got together all these guys that I – a lot of them who I've met through the podcast uh, and, uh, you know, first time ever put vocals on, you know, a song last night. And and it, so this morning, I was like, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know you. I wouldn't know Dan. I wouldn't know Rock Garden. I wouldn't have been brave enough to even consider that I could go and do that. I mean, Greg Thacker has been – the inspiration for this podcast for music for me meeting these musicians and i think talking to greg he was like uh he's like you should talk to dave decker he's pretty interesting i was like okay i don't know who fucking dave decker was and dave's very interesting oh fucking dave is my bro like i've I've, i bought dave a gas mask and sent him to fucking seattle for the riots to go take pictures and like he and i I, what i love about dave is he won't text you but he'll call you and (laughs) like Dave's not on anybody's wavelength. Dave exists <laughs> in a different plane from everybody else. But, um, you know, but so many fucking Tom DeGeorge, you know, and uh, you. Well, it, it, I didn't find Achilles through these guys. Somehow, I, I don't know how I found Achilles, but I found you through Achilles. I think you had said you saw his his album cover and you liked it. So I love the, Marauder, it, the, the, Marauder, the, the, the cover. Marauder cover with the gold guitar and the blue suit. Yeah. I just something about that. I was like, that's fucking reminded me of these 70s, like, You know, hard men movies, you know, like I think it's a great,
0: uh, a great example of, you know, you see something negative because going back to this podcast started because of your parents death and you having that time of back to your in your life. And now you're doing vocals for a band that you maybe thought you would never would have done three years ago, stuff like that, where, you know, in the moment there's this tragedy and you, you know, you're losing your parents close together and stuff. But this comes out of it, and it really—it oh, it really is the the, the bullshit w- phoenix coming out of the ashes type of thing. But there's always there's always going to be something that's going to come
1: in out in a of modest it. way. But I'll tell you, you know, I start therapy around the time that I lose my parents, and it was right towards the end of losing both of them. And you got, you know, I'm so big on mental health, guys. Uh, you know, I, I watch a lot, especially a lot of the artists talk about their struggles with anxiety and stress and what to do here and therapy, uh, Carrie Cohen. I owe my life to Carrie Cohen. She's my, uh, therapist. I, I see her once a week. That was huge. Uh, it came to a point after my mom died where I was like, this just isn't cutting it. Uh, she sent me to, and she's very conservative. She's not a pill pusher. Like she's, you know, me- medication is a last resort. But finally I got her. She's like, we'll talk to Dr. camphor. I uh, talked to Dr. Canfer and they put me on Lexapro, and that changed my life. You, you've only known me since I've been on medication, but if you had known me before then, like I was a dark, I don't mean dark like in a cool way. I just, you know, people, we always talk about, you know, there's been a lot of debates about guns and people talk about ga- guns. And I, I don't like guns for any number of reasons, but the biggest reason, I would never own a gun is cause I was always afraid I'd use it on myself. Like I don't say that to be cool or to be dark or to be whatever, but I just knew that about myself. Like I, 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 I not so much anymore, but I could get there pretty quickly emotionally. And, uh, you know, but through therapy and through the meds and that to get back to your earlier question about the business growing, that was another part of it mm. is getting my fucking mind, right. You know, uh, and, and now it's like, I mean, it's not like we don't have bad days. You know, my wife and I can get into arguments or maybe there's not the best day at work or financial woes or whatever. But it's all just take it and like, it, I wish if there's anything that I could ever instill to my kids, to any kids, to anybody at all is. And it's funny. I was, if, if you listen to that Will Quinlan episode, I identified so much with him is you don't have to feel like. Uh, people don't realize that they don't have to feel the way that they do. And some people never have that catharsis, you know, some people never get to that point, but, um, that, that just, that was such an amazing thing. And I mean, I'm so happy right now. And so, you know, I almost feel ashamed about it sometimes because, you know, I, you know, I don't struggle right now, you know, maybe I will again in the future, but, um, you know i'm just i'm just blessed and i don't mean that in a, f- a religious way but just you know i'm thankful you know i have gorgeous children i love my wife i have a business that's growing and i get to talk to people like you and and it's hard to see the good things when you're when you're clouded with depression and those types well of you stuff. can't you, yeah, you're, you you
0: have this you have that's this. still all those great things are still there but it's just you can't really oh yeah appreciate and take into it and i went to therapy for six months a couple years ago and it probably saved my life too you know what i mean and big thing that i learned from therapy is just it's giving you tools to manage what you need to manage you know what i mean they, they, they weren't telling me how to think they were just simply giving me this is an option maybe you should maybe look at it this way or that way it felt very i was very apprehensive going at first but well, after a couple it, sessions it's just like i was talking to a person and they're just kind of giving me advice here take it or not and we'll go from there you know
1: i mean it's it, therapy has definitely had an evolution it's not nearly the, the you know dirty secret anymore that right, it it's was. not the freud's couch well it used to be a sign of weakness or uh, yeah, whatever right. you know well, you're the weak, sopranos you're i mean he didn't yeah wanna... but no i think everybody
0: should do so, it yeah that's definitely pro pro therapy here at the podcast so i want to wrap it up sure. just one last question if there was one song for the soundtrack of your life right now what's the song for what, or what are you listening to right now but mainly what 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 summarizes how you feel about life right now in a song what will be the soundtrack the ending song to this podcast
1: that's a tough one
0: that's why it's a good question man you gotta yeah.
1: i mean i want to do something poignant like neil young or john prine or bob dylan um i don't know old man take a look at my <laughs> 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 neil young i don't know uh
0: what, what what are you listening to right now as your soundtrack? Twenty twenty two. I'm music. listening. I,
1: I'm listening to so much metal and hardcore now because of the band that I'm in, and a lot of it is me like trying to. Th- oh, fucking Navasota, Navasota by Will Quinlan. That's it. Uh, and it's funny because that song was was him talking about losing his mom, and you know, for me to compare myself to Will Quinlan is laughable for any number of reasons, but you know it was difficult for me to get him on the show cuz he's a very personal and private person uh but man i just get him and you know he's he's had he's had struggles with himself and with life and with whatever and i mean you can listen to that episode and hear about it but that song is him almost in a way singing to his mom and uh that would be the song because you know i'm going to start crying in a second every part of who i am is is through the lens of my parents, you know, making them proud or regret about not being able to help them or regret about not understanding what they were going through or regret that they didn't get to in their golden years travel. You know, they were so mired by cancer and uh, other stuff. So there, there is this kind of Greek kind of tragedy in my own mind's eye about my parents. So, and that song just fucking is transcendent to me. So, that would be the song.
2: Radio, please, song, soft and low, soft and slow. Thank you
0: I think that's a good little wrap up here. I've done my my job. Barbara Walters would be proud. I made great. him cry. You got me too. Te- yeah, you I got made me him tear up. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Man.
1: I mean, I got other stuff going on, but yeah, you, you got me. No, I'm sure. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Hopefully, it wasn't super lame and super vain and whatever else. And, you know, no, nothing else. No, I'm
0: sure everyone is going to love to hear this. Everyone's curious. You know,
1: it, it feels good to be the interviewee. You did great for you. Okay, thank you, sir. I am I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I fucking quit. You got to yeah. you got to take it over.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, and until next time, this is uh, the Barely Legal Podcast.
1: Thank you, sir.